0: Welcome to the Shell Harbour Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So if you want to open up your Bibles this morning and open up the Judges chapter 6, we're going to look at Judges chapter 6, the story of one of the great uh, heroes of faith this morning. It won't be up on the screen this morning, so if you need to get out your phone, you can. But we want to continue along um, the journey that we've been looking at and discovering how we can build a fear-proof life, a life that's not held back by the effects of fear and anxiety and we've been looking over the last number of weeks um, through the word of god through the new testament old testament how many times god's god says to his people in particular when they're facing trials and they're facing hardships they're facing challenges where god comes to his people and says fear not amen In fact, it's over 114 times in the word of God where God says to his people to fear not. And I believe that God understands the power of fear. That's why he comes to his people on so many occasions and says to them, fear not, because the Lord knows that if we allow fear to get into our hearts, it'll paralyze the call and the plan of God that God has for our lives, amen? In fact, if we allow fear to get into our hearts, it will stop us moving forward and walking through the doorways of opportunity that God has for us, amen? In the last couple of weeks we looked at some of the effects of fear just in Australia alone and we saw that millions of Australians are affected every year by fear. In fact, anxiety, people today are suffering from anxiety at such a a rate and at such an astonishing rate that today it's become one of the biggest mental health issues in our country today because people are being overwhelmed by anxiety. Fear just doesn't affect you emotionally But we've found that research has shown that uh, fear will affect you physically as well. It can lead to depression, it can lead to heart disease, it can lead to stroke, it can lead to cancer. In fact, fear is a really, really damaging force that can take place. So fear doesn't only affect us emotionally, it affects us also physically as well. But the third thought this morning in our introduction is that fear also affects us spiritually as well. If we allow fear to get into our lives, then it will stop us from fulfilling the call that God has for our life. I would love you to say this morning over your life, I have a calling. Come on, say it with conviction this morning. I have a calling if you're in this place this morning and you're a son or daughter of jesus christ the bible teaches us that god has a specific calling for each one of us to fulfill we'll finish today at a verse of scripture that highlights that and brings it to bear but i remember many years ago uh, it was quite a number of years ago probably about 12 13 maybe 14 years ago i i sat with a with a beautiful elderly lady and uh, she was a lovely lady in the faith and uh, had a great faith in god um and this, this lady, as I sat with her and started to talk with her, uh, there was no doubt that she knew that she was right with her Savior. You ever met a, a dear old lady like that or a dear old man like that? You just, you just know without exception that they're right with God. They've just got such a love. There's a, there's a twinkle in their eye when they talk about their Savior. But what really captured my attention on that day is as we started to talk, this lady started to share about one of the big regrets in her relationship with God. And it really captured my attention, and I think this morning that we can all take something away from this thought this morning because she said even though she knew that she was right with her Savior, many, many years previous, many, many years before our meeting with her, the Lord had asked her to go to Africa to be a missionary over there. And as she sat there, she started to weep and spoke about the fact that she'd allow fear to stop her from doing that. And now all those years on, she really, really regretted the fact that she wasn't obedient to step out in faith and to do the things that God had asked her to do at that particular time. And it got me thinking and wondering and thinking, well, how many people are like that in this place today? How many people across the Christian church today, in uh, say in Shell Harbour, are like that today? The Lord's coming to encourage you and saying, yes, you can, please go. Be a missionary, please go and start a home group. Please go and reach out and to your neighbour. Please go and establish this thing that you know that God's put in your heart But because of fear, you're allowing that fear to hold you back. Well, this morning we want to look at the fear of being rejected because of the way that we see ourselves. That's the fear that we want to look at this morning. We're going to look at the fear of being rejected because of the way that we see ourselves. How do you see yourself this morning? I woke up this morning, looked in that mirror and thought, what a good-looking thing. Yeah, man. But how do you see yourself this morning? How do you view yourself? You're just, you know, just a just a Christian, just getting by, not too sure about this whole thing, the sovereignty of God, and you might see yourself this morning in a number of different ways. And over the last uh, number of weeks in the PM series, we've been doing a series called "This: Who Do You Think You Are." And the premise of this whole journey has been this, and I want you to listen to it this morning and get it. The premise has been this. How you see yourself in life will determine where you can go and what you can do. Say it again. How you see yourself today will determine where you can go and what you can do. It all comes down to the way that you see yourself. And this morning, you might be here this morning and you might have a perspective, you might look at yourself and you might think that you're ugly. I hope you don't. But you might think that you're ugly. That might be your view. But I want to say this morning, your view is totally different to God's view because God's view this morning is this. He looks at you this morning. He sees you as your, his masterpiece. He sees you as fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. He sees you as, as perfect in his eyes. He, he loves everything about the way that he's created you. Amen. You know, my big ears, I talk about them quite a bit. I love my big ears. There's nothing wrong with them. I, you know, I don't mind the little bump, funny bump that I've got on the top of my head. Amen. You know, I've got a few quirky things going on. I've got a rather rather large nose. You know, but I'm at peace with all that stuff, amen, because I know that God's made me that way. And if God's made me that way, I should be happy with who I am. Shouldn't we? But, you know, it comes down to our view, the way that we view ourselves. In fact, if we allow the fear... Of, of the way that we see ourselves, we ultimately will be held back from doing the things that God has called us to do. You see, we can fall for the trap of looking at the outside, but God sees what's within and what we will become. Did you get that this morning? The truth is this doesn't, God doesn't call us on the basis of what we are now, but on the basis of what we will become. Woo! I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. You see, we look at ourselves now and we think that that is who we are, but God looks into the future to who you can become, amen. And there's a big difference between who you are now and the, the person that God sees you becoming in the future, hallelujah. Remember back in 1990, and um, I had uh, come to this conviction that God wasn't leading me to go to the police force, that God was leading me to go to Bible college. And so in 1990, I signed up to do a, a one-year Bible college in Christian Heritage College in Queensland. And uh, it was a quite a... Quite a challenging year, and um, very, very challenging year. But I'm so thankful that I went and and did that. And I remember at the end of that year, I was uh, assigned to a a church that was out of the City Point Church that was holding uh, church services in the university on the northern side of uh, Brisbane. And um, I was attending there working with uh, the pastor. His name was Trevor. I can't think of his second name, but we would basically rock up there on Sunday night. We would hold a church service. And one particular weekend, the, the, Trevor, the pastor, invited uh, Pastor David McDonald. I don't know. A number of us would know Pastor David McDonald, but he's a father in the faith. He was the national chairman of Australia, INC, for, for many, many years, he was recently just retired. He and his wife are traveling around now and in August they'll be here, I think it is, to come and visit. But Remember David coming and you, you know you've got to appreciate I was, um, I, was uh, I had a little bit more hair then and I was super skinny, right? I mean I was so skinny it wasn't funny, my clothes would fall off me if I didn't put them on properly, they'd just that's how skinny so you get this really super skinny guy with just this funny looking hair thing going on, not too much hair going on and uh, you know, there to change the world, right, not at all I mean my self-esteem my thoughts about the future i had no idea what i was at bible college for i had no idea all i knew was that i felt in my heart that god had asked me and this david mcdonald came along one night and he he prophesied over me called me out and started to prophesy and he started to say things like i i see you leading people I see you shepherding people. I see you, see you um, um, encouraging people in their relationship with, with Christ. I see you just going out there and, and being a leader. And you know, as he's saying all of these things deep on the inside, I'm saying no way. God, you must have the wrong person because what he's saying is not who I am. He was saying all these things about who I was, but in my heart of hearts, I knew that I was none of those things. But you know what he was doing on that night? He was being a voice of God, prophetically speaking, the future that God had for me. Amen? And you know, even after that, I went and did another year's Bible college. completed a thing called an Associate Diploma in Ministry and uh, did that. And then at the end of that stage there, you know, I just felt, I just, still didn't know what, what I was meant to do. I was still very skinny, still had this strange looking hair going on and this very, very insecure feeling. And I ended, ended up going to Newcastle because I felt, again, God led me to go to Newcastle and long story short, here we are today. Astounding, amen? Astounding. And you know, I'm not saying that this morning to, to try and, 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 and uh, uh, puff myself up or anything like that, amen? I'm bald, that keeps me humble. But I'm saying it today to, to, to highlight the fact that God in 1990 saw things in me about my future that I did not see. And that's how the Lord works. You see, there is a greater you in you than you, can, you could ever believe today. There is a greater you in you that you need to see that God wants to show you, amen? But if we're not careful, we'll allow the way that we see ourselves to hold us back from becoming the person that God has called us to become, amen? That's one of the reasons this morning why, we're, why so many of us fear doing what God has called us and gifted us to do it's because of this point if we only see our lives for what they are or were however God sees the end from the beginning God sees the end from the beginning so this morning with a little bit of time that we have left we've got about 10 minutes together we want to have a look at one particular gentleman in in particular Gideon was a prime example of the fear of being rejected because of the way he saw himself. And we pick the story up, if you've got the Bible this morning, in Judges chapter 6, verse 1 through to 5. We pick the story up. And we find Israel, after the death of Joshua, continually rebelling against the Lord and the Lord punishing them for their sins. And we find in Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through to 5. Are you okay with this this morning? I believe you'll get something before we finish today. Then the children of Israel, verse 1, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midians for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because the Midianites, the children uh, children of Israel, made for themselves dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up and also the Amalekites, the people of the east, would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel. Neither the sheep nor the ox nor the donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in in, in, as numerous as locusts. Both uh, they and their camel were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. And listen to this thought this morning. The Israelites did evil, so the Lord allows the Midianites to oppress them. What do they do? They can't live in their homes, they've got to live in dens and caves. Every time they get ready to harvest their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, come and destroy their crops. And then all of their livestock gets robbed from them as well. And listen to what happens in verse number six. This is the cry here. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. They were in a really, really bad place. But in verse eight, we see this. God sends an unnamed prophet. We don't know the name of the prophet, but God sends a prophet to them and the message is basically this. Listen to it this morning. You guys are reaping the consequences of not obeying my commands. You guys are reaping the consequences of not obeying my commands. You know what I love about God? He hears the cries of the oppressed even when the oppression is brought on by their own choices and actions. God still hears they cry. Don't you love that? Well, when we look at the situation surrounding Israel, these are the thoughts they want to bring to your attention this morning. They need a saviour. They need a leader. They need someone who will challenge them about their rebellion and lead them back into right standing with God. They need someone in that nation to stand up and to make a stand because God's people, the Israelites, are rebelling. They're sinning. The cycle is going on and on. They sin, God punishes them. They sin, God punishes them. And there's got to be someone in the nation with the leadership that they need. It would take a person this morning, I wrote some thoughts down, what sort of person would be needed in order to be able to lead them this morning to be that saviour. It says this, it would have to be someone that had great courage, someone that had tremendous faith, someone with an enormous heart, great personal conviction, a person of integrity, one who had the respect of their peers. Well, in verse 11 of Judges chapter 6, we see the solution, God's solution to the situation. Have a look at it this morning in verse 11 of Judges chapter 6. This is the solution to the situation. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abias, whatever that word is there. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valour. I reckon those words would have absolutely stunned Gideon. He would have thought this, and you're probably thinking this this morning. I certainly th- thought that in 1990 that God, you've got it wrong here. You, you've, 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 it must have been the person next to me. David was just, his little radar was out a little bit, and it was the person next to him. But I think that this Gideon would have been so stunned and he would have thought things like this. I'm not courageous. I don't have tremendous faith. I haven't got a large heart. My personal conviction isn't that strong. Sometimes I struggle with integrity and no one of my peers would respect me. But the truth is this. God saw Gideon's prophetic potential and the Lord was calling him for what he was born to become a mighty warrior. I want to continue with the story this morning in verse thirty thirteen. So Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. That's a fair, fair um, statement that he's made there. But then listen to this response that the Lord brings in verse 14. Then the Lord turned to Gideon and said to him, Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? God was drawing a clear prophetic line in the sand about Gideon's predestined future. That God was prophetically calling him out to be the leader and the savior of the Israelite nation at the time. But Gideon's response is interesting. In verse 15, we're almost done this morning. It says, So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest, and I am the least in my father's house. Listen to this thought here. It's from this verse that we see Gideon feels totally overwhelmed by what God is calling him to do. But like Gideon, through the pages of the Bible and through the, through the last 2,000 years, there have been men and women time after time after time that have felt overwhelmed by the call of God for their lives totally overwhelmed. If you're not feeling overwhelmed, then I don't think you've probably heard the full and complete call of God for your life, amen. Because throughout the pages of the scripture, so many men and women have felt overwhelmed. In, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, God calls the prophet Isaiah and, God, and Isaiah comes before the Lord and says, Lord, how could you use me? I'm a person of unclean lips. What's Isaiah saying? I feel overwhelmed, Lord, by the calling for my life. In uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 4, when the Lord comes to, to Moses and says, Moses, you're going to be the, the people's deliverer. Moses said, Lord, Lord, how could I be a deliverer? I stutter. I don't speak well. I have so many things going on in my world. How could I ever be a deliverer? I think of Jeremiah. In uh, uh, Jeremiah, chapter 1, Jeremiah struggled with the thought and said, Lord, how could you use me to be a prophet of the nation? I'm only a youth. I'm only a young person, God. How could you use me? But time after time after time, the call of God comes to people's lives and they feel overwhelmed. And you know what? The reality is it's okay to feel overwhelmed, but to be held back because of excuses I don't believe is okay. The key here this morning is in the Lord's response to Gideon in verse 16. And this is what the Lord says to him. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Listen to that. Surely... I will be with you. What did he say to Gideon? Surely I will be with you. Amen. You see, in obeying the call and the plan, the purpose for our lives, it's not about you and me. It's about the spirit of God working through us. Amen. It's about him having his way through our lives as we just, we just surrender and obey to him. It's about us saying yes to him. And then the Lord comes and do, does what only he can do. God's calling to serve him comes to spite. Our human disqualifications, our limitations, our frailties, our failures, our faults, our fears, objections, and anything else we can think as an excuse for not fulfilling God's call. God was saying to Gideon, despite how you see yourself, despite how you feel about yourself, and despite the hard circumstances, I'm going to use you to set my people free. If you read on the next few verses of Scripture... The, great, the, the, the first great challenge of Gideon's faith comes into play because God asks Gideon to go into the village and to tear down his father's idols. The, uh, the idol of Baal, there was another one there as well. And God says to Gideon, Gideon, I want you to go in there and I want you to destroy and to cut down your father's idols. I don't know about you, but just think about that setting right there. How intimidating that thought must have been. How challenging that thought must have been. But that was Gideon's first act of obedient faith towards the plan and the purpose that God had for him. And we've been saying over the last few weeks, and I'm almost done. We've been saying over the last few weeks, the call of God, the plan that God has for your life starts with one obedient step of faith. It's just simply saying yes to the Lord. So Gideon goes in, he tears down his father's temple. And as a result of that, Gideon goes on to be the great saviour that God prophesied to him in the very first beginning in the, in, the, in the pages of Judges chapter 6 Gideon goes on to be a great warrior in fact we read about some of the things of Gideon Gideon, we, we would know the story if you don't you can read it in Judges an amazing story where God uses Gideon and 299 men to dis, destroy and defeat an army of over 105,000 um, um, Malachites 105, 300 over 105,000, an army of 300 destroyed. I'd tell you what, we could have Hollywood today, but there's nothing like that story there. God also uses Gideon to destroy all the false idols in the whole land. But what's more important, God uses Gideon to bring the whole nation of Israel back to proper worship and right standing before God. Astounding when you think of it. But that was the prophetic call that God had for Gideon's life. Christian. Disciple, you are called for more than you see of yourself today. You are called for far more than just living an ordinary existence on this planet. God's called each of us for far more, amen. He wants to challenge and encourage us this morning. And as I conclude this morning, I said to you that I would talk a little bit about this verse of scripture in 2 Timothy that talks about the call. It says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Paul speaking to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who was saved and called us with a holy calling. Listen to this next verse. You need to hear it. Not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. If you don't get that this morning, then let me paraphrase it. It says that we have a unique and divine calling that God prepared before eternity that we should walk in it. Grab the keyboard up this morning just as we conclude. Amen? I felt this so challenging when I was uh, encouraged to put it together. And I, I believe it's intended to do that this morning, to encourage and to challenge us as well as people. <laughs> so, you know, during the week uh, on, fr- on Friday, just as we finished together this morning, because I believe that God is calling people in this place to step up. To Step up. You can have every excuse in the world But ultimately, before God, because it's all about him, according to that scripture in 2 Timothy, it's not about us. There is no excuse. I uh, had the opportunity on Friday to go for a push bike ride and uh, just loved it. You got to laugh at me this morning. I think uh, about 26 kilometers at the moment. Well, that was better than the five I was used to. About 26 k's. Tony Jessup's laughing at me over there. I'll get towards um, 30 very shortly. Uh, the next goal is to aim to go to Jamboree and back. woo <laughs> Bike riders just laugh at me in scorn. But, you know, I was riding here and uh, went along Barrick Point and Morilla. tell you, if it's not the most beautiful walkway, cycleway anywhere on the coast, you've got to do that if you haven't, all the way around to the bridge. But this is my point. I was riding and I was thinking about this morning... And I felt the Holy Spirit just said this, because when he speaks to us, he speaks to us in a word or in a sentence, and he said this in a sentence, I believe for us this morning and hearers and people that will hear this on the podcast as well, that so many Christians are squandering their calling. So many Christians are squandering their calling. And I sort of had a pretty good idea about that, what that word calling means then I came home that afternoon and got on Google, good old Google and it means this to squander it means to waste misuse or to throw away it must break the heart of God his people to squander the call of God. It means to waste or to throw away, to misuse, allowing an opportunity to pass or to be lost. Wow. How many believers today are like that? God has called them to so much more the world, the love of the world, the entanglements of the world, just keep entangling us and suffocating and holding back the call of God for for your life. Still raining. (laughs) I'm going to finish this morning just with an older call this morning to allow people to come because I believe this morning the Lord's calling people to step up. And I don't know what that looks like. It's it's between you and the Lord, amen. But you know what that looks like because he lives in you. Too many Christians are squandering their calling. Wow. Misusing, throwing it away. But for us this morning here and those that will hear the podcast, we have an opportunity to respond today by faith. This whole journey is being about not just one message, but about a series of messages coming to a point where we go, well, fear, as Rachel shared and sang last Sunday, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Amen? For our journey, as, as um, pastors, we've never known what the outcome will be, but it's always been, well, if God is asking us to do it, then we need to say yes, and just take that first step. Has it always never been easy as such? But we know the blessing that comes as a result of doing that. And I don't know what God has in the future for us as well. (laughs) Wow. But I know this. The most secure place to be in our relationship with God is at a point of obedience where we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's not about me. It's about you. You've given me a calling, a divine calling to fulfill. Could we stand to our feet this morning? Amen. Oh, by the way, the cafe's not open this morning. Heather tried five different ways to get here, but she couldn't. But come on, we're church family this morning. We're just family here this morning. Uh, Before God, the Holy Spirit is here. Mothers and fathers in the faith. If you're here this morning, i just love to pray for you this morning. If you feel that you need to respond before God, this is between you and him today, because I would just love to pray for you this morning because I felt that word, that people are being called to step up, amen. But just give you a moment. If you feel that's you this morning, love you to make your way to the altar. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you. We just thank you for your words of life this morning. Hallelujah. I see this morning right now, there are people here just in your mind right now, and you're thinking, well, I've tried that before. The Lord just wants to encourage you to say that behold, the old is past. Behold, a new day is before you. Don't allow your experience of the past to dictate and determine the future that the Lord has for you this morning. Father, we thank you for that word this morning. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Father. We're so thankful to you today. You're a holy God. We worship you. We worship you. Lord, hear our hearts this morning as we come to this place. We, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask you this morning, help us not to be, not to allow the, the, the things of this world to encroach upon the call that you have for our lives, Lord. There are other people here this morning and you're struggling with the thought of your age. Well, the Lord wants you to know this morning he's no respecter of people. It doesn't matter at what age or stage you are in life, he's calling. In fact, the Bible says the gift and the calling of God are irrevocable. Hallelujah. The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Father, thank you this morning. We just bless you this morning as we just surrender in this place today. God, we do. God, we do. Jesus, we do. Come on, you just this morning as we're here, just Father, before you this morning. We know it's a holy moment. Lord, you see us on this altar this morning and we're just surrendering our lives to your fresh Lord. We just thank you this morning. God, Sabrina. Sabrina, would you come and just sing and I'll pray for you in a moment. Amen. If you could just start singing that last worship song, that would be great. Amen. Father, I thank you. If You could help me this morning as well. Father, I thank you. Jesus.